thing is, is that when it comes down to that break-even analysis, which is so, so beautiful about that, is that it gives you the ability to wiggle room when it's time to negotiate on the contract market. Because I'm going to tell you, the spot market is not where you need to live. The spot market was not designed for you to design your business and run your business around the spot market. The voice we heard up top was that of Adam Wingfield, Charlotte, North Carolina-based leader of the Innovative Logistics Group, whose goal is, in part, to equip clients with the tools for success as owner-operators, with a special emphasis on growth beyond just the single truck. In his early 40s, Wingfield knows of which he speaks, having done the same over a couple of decades in trucking, a story he tells in today's podcast. I'm Todd Dills, your host for this edition of Overdrive Radio for April 7th, 2023, and featuring Wingfield's talk from Saturday, April 1st, the last day of the Mid-America Trucking Show last week. Well, certainly among the most engaging presentations I sat in on there, picking up on themes also addressed in Overdrive's own Partners in Business session with HEBS the previous day, but more inspirational, more, well, Confrontational in some aspects, urging owners to do the hard work to weather the current storm. That was part of the very title of his talk, aimed to help owner-operators navigate ups and downs, like the current situation, in freight markets. Weathering the storm, he called it, with an upfront message. And we can all agree right now the industry is tough. And the one other thing I can tell you is that, number one, this is not the first time that we've dealt with a tough market. Number two, I'm going to leave you with a statement. And the statement I want to leave you with, and I want you to think about this as I speak today, is you're going to be okay. If, that is, you do the work to solidify your relationships. Now is not the time to double down on the complainant. It's now the time to double down on the people that are taking care of you. Wingfield challenged attendees to make the most of their time at the show. You've got about seven hours today so you can maximize the opportunity for you to go out there and solidify relationships and they know exactly what the hell you do. We have to take control of that and we have to be better about that and running our business and solidifying those relationships. It was truly a rousing talk, all told, as you'll hear, particularly following the storm and stress of the previous day's Broker Regs related listening session the FMCSA hosted there, where Wingfield noted he heard a lot of complaints that he's readily familiar with from conversations throughout his history in trucking. His message, though, comes back to a central tenet of business ownership. The next thing is you need to check your attitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. Take full control of what you can control, double down on all of it, and keep your eye on the finish line. Before the end of the podcast, too, we'll also hear from Howe's President and Chief Testing Officer Rob Howe's about results of a survey in which the company asked its customer base series of questions about their fuel treatment habits. And we'll pose a question to you, too. Do you treat your fuel seasonally or year-round? After the break, though, Adam Wingfield first takes up his personal story in trucking and just how he came to where he is today, assisting owner-operator and small fleet clients with break-even analysis tools, growth consulting, audit support, and much more through his innovative logistics group. Along the way, there's plenty to chew on in terms of strategies to weather the stormy conditions of the present. So stay tuned. Every diesel needs to defend against clogged injectors, low lubricity, and slipping fuel economy. 
The best defense is the best defender. House Diesel Defender with Advanced IDX4 Detergent. Get a deeper clean, maximum lubricity, and boosted fuel economy. Guaranteed. House Diesel Defender. Get optimal performance. House for every diesel. Find them at Howes, H-O-W-E-S, HowesProducts.com. Here's Adam Wingfield. I am the managing director and founder of Innovative Logistics Group. If you have never heard of Innovative Logistics Group, I'm going to tell you that I am good at trucking, but I am bad at advertising. I know what I know, and I stay to my lane. What you're seeing on the screen is me. Back in 2000, when I was a young buck, as soon as I was able to do so, I went and got my CDL license at the age of 21 years old. I've been in this business 22 years plus. Next Saturday marks a national holiday, which is my birthday. And that tells me that I'm getting older and closer to the time where it's about time for me to retire out of it. I started off in the year 2000. Three years later, I started with a mega carrier. I loved trucking from the time that I was a little boy. I went with a mega carrier and then three years later, I decided to take the route of being an owner operator and do it on my own. When I started trucking, I was getting paid 24 and a half cents a mile. $300 a week was pretty good to me. $600 a week was great. I was in the flatbed division. We did actually did specialize. So I was one of the glass haulers. Glass haulers with the A-frame with the TPs going down the highway. That was me. I had the opportunity to learn a lot in terms of going across the country and seeing the beautiful things. But one of the things that I really, really wanted to do in a very, 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 very young age, I was in sixth grade. I wanted to own a trucking company. I had no idea on the components and the things required to do it. I just wanted to get behind the wheel and figure it out. So I decided to buy a truck at the age of 23 years old. And I bought a truck at the age of 23 years old. It cost me about $945 a week, which I, you know, at that point, I, you know, you can do the math. It was pretty, uh, pretty expensive. But I decided to go on that route, and I quickly figured out that just because I was good as a truck driver and I was good at what I did. Being a trucking business owner is very, very different. There is a big difference between being a business owner and being an owner, operator, or fleet owner. I studied at Johnson C. Smith University from Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a small school right off the Bettysburg Road in Charlotte. I then moved into supply chain management because I wanted to study the big picture side. I spent over 11 years behind the wheel. I amassed a million miles plus. I did everything from reefer, drive van, flatbed, oversized, you name it. One of the things that I am super passionate about, and it is funny how this comes full circle, my very first load that I ever delivered as a truck driver was in Louisville, Kentucky. 22 years later, I'm standing on the stage talking about trucking in Louisville, Kentucky. One of the things I wanted to talk to you today about, though, is that when I started, and the things about the industry right now, and we can all agree right now the industry is tough, the one other thing I can tell you is that, number one, this is not the first time that we've dealt with a tough marketplace. Number two, I'm going to leave you with a statement. And the statement I want to leave you with, and I want you to think about this as I speak today, is you're going to be okay. This is an article that LegalZoom did, to me, did on me. I am very big on the educational component of this industry. I'm going to be very, very frank and transparent with you throughout this conversation. I am not the type of person to sugarcoat it. I'm not in the propaganda. I'm gonna give you facts. I'm gonna tell you what it is. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and now I'm gonna give it to somebody. I'm gonna give you the opportunity to win, and I'm gonna give you some of the steps that's responsible for helping you to do so. 
I am going to try to get through this in 40 minutes. I hope that by the time I get complete, that I'll be able to answer any questions that you may have. So I want to talk to you about some of the learnings that I had in what I call weathering the storm. Last night, if you had the opportunity to go anywhere around here, it was a little bit of rain that was happening last night. But the thing about last night, it was, you look on the, the, I looked on Twitter and I saw the damage that was done on 65 last night, all the way from here, all the way up through Illinois, it was pretty bad. And even as I was out last night, it was a extreme, extreme weather condition. But when I woke up this morning and I pulled the blinds out, guess what happened? That's what I noticed. The sun was here. But that tells me, and what I'm telling you, that no matter how much rain takes place, the sun is always going to shine. So I'm going to go through this, and I'm going to go through it pretty quickly. So if I sound a little bit rushed, I'm doing it very intentionally. But I want to go through this, and I want to give you some steps that I learned as a fleet owner. Because by the time I turned 30 years old, before I had grays on the chin of my hair, and before I even had hair, down here, I was staring down the faces I owned six trucks at that point. So what I'm gonna do is talk to you about some experiences that I had because I also remember one of the worst times in this industry that I went through, I was getting paid a dollar, dollar twenty a mile, but diesel prices were at four and five dollars. So I'm gonna talk to you about how you're gonna navigate that and how I did. Now one thing I'm gonna tell you is what's good for the goose may not be good for the gander. What worked for me may not work for you, but the one thing that worked for me that can work for anybody in this room is that if you change your mindset, your mindset will match your grindset. So the first thing that you have to do in terms of weathering the storm, and this is one of the most important things to me, know your numbers. Know your numbers. How many fleet owners and owner operators I have in this room? Raise your hand high. Raise them really high, I gotta see them. These lights are extremely bright. One of the things as a fleet owner and owner operator, if you do not understand and do not know what this is, that's an opportunity for you to grow because what you're looking at on your screen right now is your break-even point analysis. As an owner operating a fleet owner, you cannot move your truck one mile without knowing what your break-even point is. Your break-even point is the point at which your truck starts making money. Now, one of the things that I want to add as a caveat, and I want you to understand this point too, is that if your wheels are not turning in a clockwise motion, then you're not making money, number one. But number two, as your wheels turn in a clockwise motion, every single turn is paying for every single thing that was, was responsible for the operation of your truck, no matter if you have one truck or a thousand trucks. And what I mean by that is that if you look on the screen, and I know it's very, very small to see, but sometimes when we negotiate, we're negotiating rates with brokers and we're talking about things like that, you know, we consider fuel, we consider driver expenses, sometimes we call about insurance, and then we're talking about negotiating on the load. Well, the issue with that is, is that your truck, the things that you're responsible for within your truck, the plates, the IFTA, your 2290, it doesn't care on what load that you're hauling today or what load you're hauling tomorrow. Every single mile that you operate is amortizing your entire P&L for that year. And what I mean by amortizing is taking your entire bill and it's chopping it up down into the miles. So you have to understand at what mile your truck makes a profit, number one. Number two, if you tell me today that your break-even point is $2 a mile, you are lying. Your break-even point changes every single day. Every single time that you operate, and this is one of the things that I've learned and I had to realize, and I'm gonna give you an example. 
Back in 2003, I used to run from the East Coast to the West Coast, right? I used to run a load all the way from Monroe, North Carolina, all the way to Tracy, California. Tracy, California is way up Northern California. By the time you get to California on I-40, you hit the California line, you got about 400 miles north to go. One of the things that I realized very, very quickly is I had to calculate 800 miles plus in my mind because by the time I got into California, I did not want to pay fuel prices in California at that time. So I had to make incremental decisions to make sure that I was able to stay within my break-even point. Now, the thing about your break-even point, it can change at the drop of a hat. And what I mean by that is that if you have a major repair, if you have a minor repair, if you buy fuel at an elevated rate, you have to go in and quickly reevaluate your break-even point so you can stay within that number. The one thing on the bottom of the screen, and I know it's very, very blurry, if you can't see it, I apologize, but on this screen, it says that this particular carrier has a break-even point of $2.24 per mile. I want you to think about something. If my break-even point is $2.24 a mile, the NTI, anybody in here know what I mean when I say NTI? Raise your hand high if you know what I mean by NTI. All right, I wanna teach you about something. NTI is the National Truckload Index. It's the average spot market rate all the way across the board. That's something that you have got to know. If your NCI, and I want you to hear what I'm saying. If your NCI is lower than your break-even point, there's major problems. If your NCI is lower than your break-even point, you have major problems and you need to stop and slow down and evaluate your operation. The reason why I say that is because if the NTI is $2.25 and your break-even point is $2.50, then no matter what you do when you put yourself in positioning, you have your back against the wall because you're fighting up against that. The beauty about your numbers is numbers can be manipulated. And the reason why I say manipulated, I mean manipulated in the very best way. When I say manipulated is that if you measure it and if you can measure it, you can improve it. And when I get to the back of this slideshow, I'm gonna show you some, actually I'm gonna talk to you something about that. But on the bottom of the screen, my break-even point is $2.24 a mile. But also, within that, my projection, I put $245,000 as my projection, right? So I did that for a reason, because the NTI at that point, when I did this example, was $2.41 a mile. The average truckload runs about 101,471 miles a year. That's including 8% deadhead miles, but you know, all of that is just number related. But from a, from a standpoint of just, just implications, the one thing I want you to know is I want you to know, one, your break-even point. So if you leave here today, you've got to learn that that's the most important number that you got to operate. Number two, you need to know the National Truckload Index. You can go online and you can find the ATRI, which is, is a very, very trusted source from my perspective, on a research perspective. They provide great information around that as well. You need to know what that NTI is. You need to know what your break-even point. I'm gonna give you one more. You need to know your operational run rate. I'm gonna tell you what an operational run rate is from a truckload perspective. If I say at the beginning of the year when I handle my business and I say, hey, you know what? This year in 2023, I'm gonna average a 20% profit. I have to take my break-even point and I have to multiply it by what? 120. 20, there you go, 120, 20%. What that'll do, it'll take me, for example, if my break-even point is $2 a mile, and I say I want to make a 20% profit in 2023, 
What do I need to make sure that I stay on average because you're gonna win something, you're gonna lose something. What I gotta make sure to do when I'm breading on my loads, when I'm broken my freight, or when I'm getting ready to go to my dedicated side, what I need to make sure that I get on every single load if I wanna do a 20% profit and my break even point is $2 a mile. What do I need, y'all? What do I need? What's that? Say it loud, I heard it. 240. So I know, okay, you know what? Every single load that I book, I know I'm not gonna get 240 for it, but I know the average, the NTI right now is 241. I know that I'm shooting in that direction. And then what I have to do is as a business owner, I have to reevaluate my business at the end of every opportunity. I've worked in a lot of different, when I was a kid, I used to work at Subway. That was my very first job. I was a sandwich artist. I was a proud sandwich artist. And I mean that because everything I did, I put 100% into it, no matter what it was. I was a sandwich artist at the age of 15 years old. I was working these long hours. I went labor laws in South Carolina, y'all. I'm from South Carolina, so just excuse me. But one of the things that I respected from the owner is that I would make a sandwich, and I'm going to give you a little bit of experience. And they still to this day do this. So next time you go to Subway, watch them. When you make a sandwich, a foot long comes with four slices of tomatoes. A six inch comes with two slices of tomatoes, right? I wanna to talk to you a little bit about efficiency. So when I would go in and I make my sandwiches, I might put three on, on a six. I might put five on, on a foot. And then one day, the owner would come in and he would do an evaluation on his business every single week. The owner, raise your hand again if you're a fleet owner, raise your hand again if you're an owner operator, raise it up high. The owner would do an evaluation on their business every single week. As an owner operator, you have to evaluate your business every single week. As an owner, you have to evaluate your business every single week. I don't care if you have a trucking company or if you have a subway, you have to evaluate your business every single week. So he would evaluate that business, and one day I got pulled into the office, 15 years old. He said, Adam, we got a food shortage problem. What the heck does that mean? Well, we ordered tomatoes by the case. We were evaluating the amount of sales that we did on a six-inch sandwich, and we noticed that we're shrinking out tomatoes. Have you noticed any bad tomatoes lately? No. Have you been giving away tomatoes lately? Well, what I've noticed is what he noticed is that because on every single sandwich, I added one slice, a tomato only has six slices on it. So for every time I would give an extra slice, for six sandwiches, that's one tomato gone. We have to manage our business to the microcosmic level. So what I just said, and I want you to take that away, if you're an owner operator and you're a fleet owner, at the end of the week, when you're doing your business, when you're handling your business, you need to handle your business. You need to pull your numbers out. You need to pull your paperwork out. You need to evaluate what the NTI is. Do your research. Do your break-even analysis and break it all the way down to the bottom column. And the thing is, is that when it comes down to that break-even analysis, which is so, so beautiful about that, is that it gives you the ability to wiggle room when it's time to negotiate on the contract market. Because I'm gonna tell you, the spot market is not where you need to live. The spot market was not designed for you to design your business and run your business around the spot market. For me, the spot market became me. I'm from South Carolina. 
when I got my first reefer trailer, I did what I thought at that time was the best thing to do. And now looking back at it, it was the best damn decision I ever made. On a Sunday morning, one morning, I got my reefer trailer sitting out there and I'm from South Carolina and I had these things that they used to make back in the day where they were about that high. They were called child booster seats, but they were yellow and other people called them phone books. So when I would go in and one Sunday, I was like, you know what? Hmm, I'm gonna look up farms. I'm gonna look up farms in South Carolina, and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna call farmers, and I'm gonna let them know what I do. I've got reefers, and I wanna move produce. So you know what I did? I picked the phone up, I started calling. I started calling, I started calling. Called a couple of people, obviously got down, and I got the one person was pulling strawberries, and I'll never forget it. To this day, me and this guy keep in contact to this day. He was a local farmer. He had four farms in the area, and he was running produce out of South Carolina up into New York. And we pulled potatoes, you know, potatoes just back. But the spot market was designed to get you back home to your head hall market. Your head hall market is the market that you belong in. Your head hall market is your own market. You gotta own your backyard. Now, I'm gonna ask a question, and I don't wanna answer, but I want you to think about this. Wherever you from, I don't care where you from, wherever you from, your business, where it's established at, those local distributors, manufacturers, and shippers, if they don't know who you are and what you do, and if you have not made connections with them, then guess what? You're a part of the problem. And that's okay. Because the thing about it is it's cool that we can all drive, see the owner operators back here. Driving a truck is one thing, but owning a company and a business is another thing. We have to start learning how to bridge the gap. That's the one thing that I want us to focus on. So the next thing I want to talk about is staying compliant. The funny thing about it is that if I got my carrier over here with the M&M's jacket, if he's running the operation, he has, a, he has an A safety school. And then I've got my partner here, Myron. He's running his operation. He's got an F safety score. You call me and I'm a broker, it ain't apples to apples. He calls me and says, hey, man, you know, I see the load you got posted at $1,000. Well, you know, hey, this is where I'm sitting at as far as my rate's concerned. This is what I can do it for. How about throw an extra $200 on this load and let's make both of those happen. We're going to walk away. Yes, sir. Cool. Let's do it. If Myron called me with that, nah, man. You, I'll give you 954. Because at, a, at that point, I'm taking a risk. And the reason why I'm taking a risk, and we have to understand why we're taking a risk, is because when I pull up his safety score, I look on the FMCSA and I look at their safety. If everybody in here knows what their safety score is, raise your hand. When I pull up my safety score and when I look at my OOS, which is out of service, and if your vehicle out of service or your driver out of service is higher than the national average, you are a risk. You are a risk because guess what? I'm a customer, I'm your customer, I'm your customer, I'm your customer. I'm, you are a risk to me because if I put the freight on his trailer and he has a 1% out of service rate, but I put it on his trailer and he has a 75% out of service rate, I'm taking a risk because the chances are is if he pulls into a waste station, he gets that red light, guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna sit his butt down for at least 10 hours because there's something that's going on. And at that point, it's messing up that relationship. It's not apples to apples, so we've got to manage our business correctly. You want to make more money? Improve your safety scores. You want to make more money? Be compliant. Run your business. That's the next thing. And when it comes to compliance, 
There are other components that measure that when you're doing that. Because if you're a single truck owner operator right now, I know your vision is not to sit behind the wheel of a truck for the rest of your life. I know you want to scale. I know you want to do better. I know you want to produce better results. I know you want to change your family's trajectory. I know that. I've been there. I know what's inside of you. I know what you're thinking. But you can't do that when you're not monitoring and managing the micro components of your business that's important. So when it's time to stay compliant, especially, especially if you're a fleet owner, you got to make sure you got to look at the things that are being measured the most. The FMCSA is dialing in and doubling down on enforcement. I hate to tell you this, but they're doubling down on enforcement. And no, I don't like propaganda and I'm not going to sit up here and spit it to you. They do not want to put you out of business. When I'm on the highways and byways and I'm going past my, my fellow owner operators in here in my car, when I go past your fleets in my car, I want to make sure that we ride side by side and the people that's in the car with me is just as safe as I am. And that's what's part of it. So know what your safety route score is. And if you don't know, go to the FMCSA website, go to the safer site, pull up your safer, go into that and pull your safety scores up. And if you don't know how to do that, please, I'll give you the contact information, how to get in contact with me at the end of this presentation. Reach out to me and I'm going to help you find out how to get your safety scores up. So when it comes to a marketplace like this, you have to be competitive. Staying competitive is an opportunity to do better. Now, the one thing I want you to tell you too is that you have to have a differentiator. Something has to differentiate you from somebody else. If I pull my truck up right now to a shipper, or a receiver, whatever you want, however side of the coin you want to play. If I pull my Peterbilt up and my 53-foot drive van up, Schneider's right beside me, no difference. Same truck, same trailer, same goal, same end goal. But what has what Schneider has is they have a competitive differentiator over me as a small business owner. As a small business owner, I have to come to the table with a lot stronger metrics in order to lock down that customer. One of the focuses that I want to have with you when you leave here is I want you to focus on running your own business with small businesses as well. The next thing you have to do is you have to predict your maintenance. There's a difference between predictive maintenance and breakdown maintenance. There's some people in this room that only focus on fixing their truck when it breaks down. And that's cool. It's not. You have to predict your maintenance, especially when you buy a used truck in these marketplaces. The one thing that makes me extremely nervous last year when truck prices went vertical, what was happening is that they were selling the bottom of the barrel, whatever they had left. Whatever they had left, they were selling. You go to a dealership back in 2022, 2021, and you're trying to get a truck, you're buying the bottom of the barrel. And the thing about that is, is that when you go out and you purchase a used truck, before you even buy that truck, and one of the examples that were made last night is you have to tell yourself, and you have to talk to yourself as a business owner, take that CEO hat, put the CFO hat on together, and you need to tell yourself, that I need to prove to myself why I should not buy this truck versus why I should buy this truck. So when it comes to talking about predicting your maintenance, on this screen right now are recommended service intervals. For me, in my operation, the one thing that I wanted to make sure I did is I over-promised my service levels. 
Even if Detroit says, hey, you ain't got to bring this thing down in for 16,000 miles for a PMA, I'm putting it in maybe 10 to 12,000 miles because I want somebody else's eyes on it besides myself. I've got a baby that truck, especially if I got 600, 700, 800,000 miles on it, I got to take care of it. I got to make sure that what I'm doing is what I'm doing. Your DPF systems, y'all, and I'm going to tell you something. DPF system has spelled death to two trucks to me personally. I left a truck in Connecticut because I bought a 2012, I'll never forget it, I left it in Connecticut because at that point, during that time, 2012 Max Force, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I know, I heard that. <laughs> I'd leave it because they could not figure it out. But the thing about it is you have two things that you're responsible for when it comes to a DPF system. You're gonna do a non-thermal and you're gonna do a thermal cleaning. Those are the things that you have to do. If you, got, if you have any issues, and we're gonna talk about fuel here in a minute, one of the primary culprits of your fuel, of you over-sucking fuel, because that dose of valve is not dosing anymore. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. That dose of valve, you need to be looking at it, opportunity to change it every 150 to 200,000. But these are the things that we have to do as fleet owners, and I get it. You don't operate, I'm a single truck guy. You got a lot of things on your plate, but you made the decision to be a business owner. You got to put that CEO hat on and act like it. These are some of the things that come with it. Fries come with this shake when you buy it. So at this point, we have to take these, these intervals, and we've got to make sure we plan these intervals within your ELDs. I recommend planning it within the ELD because it makes it easy. However you want to do it, whatever you do automatically, this is like some of the things that I do. I have an a iPhone, which is the, the superior phone when it comes to Android iPhones. <laughs> But in my iPhone, I have to put intervals for just about everything that I need to do. Put an interval for, hey, you know what, it's time to read, it's time to read tonight, it's time to read your 10 pages tonight. An interval, hey, you know what, it's time to go out and turn the water off. You should have intervals set for every single component of your maintenance because what you don't spend, you get to keep. And some of these maintenance things like tire blowouts and things like that, I get it. A lot of that stuff's preventable. You see that stuff. If you eyeball that stuff and take that pre-trip inspection a little bit more seriously, you might catch something on a pre-trip that can save you on, on down the line. It'll save you from that crippling tow bill. I'll never forget, and I gotta get through this. I'll never forget the worst tow bill that I had. We can call it predatory turbulence. I, I blame myself for it. My truck broke down near Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. I got it towed up to Enfield, North Carolina. So if you know how close that is, you can Google it yourself. I don't know, it's probably about less than a 20 minute drive. That tow cost me $1,700. When you are out here and you're not doing what you gotta do, or if you're out here in a position where you gotta take care of yourself, they're gonna get theirs. So I have to do a better job of making sure I position myself so I'm not gonna sit in a position where I'm gonna have a breakdown, so do your best. The next one, solidify your relationships. Now is not the time to double down on complaining, it's now the time to double down on the people that are taking care of you. I'm gonna say this and I'll say it a thousand times in the next 10 minutes if I have to. Are there bad brokers? Yes. Are there great good brokers? Absolutely. Are there good owner operators and good fleet owners? Absolutely. Are there some bad ones? Hell yes. Now's the time is to solidify these relationships because this is not gonna be like this forever. I promise you. You can come find me two years later if we're still in the same boat and I will do whatever I need to do to make sure that you get out of this. But you need to solidify those relationships. Relationships are the new currency, y'all. 
And I'm not talking about the relationships on a CB radio either. I'm not talking about the relationships when we're sitting at the truck stop and we're just going around in a round table and thinking that this, this conversation in this truck stop is gonna make things better. You are sitting in the world's largest truck show, but you are not here as a fleet owner to walk around and be entertained. You need to get out here, and if you have not been to the West Wing and you stop and you talk to these folks and you tell them exactly what you do, and you build the relationships down there, you are selling yourself short. You've got about seven hours today to where you can maximize the opportunity for you to go out there and solidify relationships and they know exactly what the hell you do. We have to take control of that and we have to be better about that and running our business and solidifying those relationships. I can't tell you how important relationships within this industry have changed my life. I don't brag, I don't boast, I don't say things to impress you, I say things to impress upon you. You can Google Adam L. Wingfield Truck and it'll tell you everything you need to know. I've been here, I rolled my sleeves up, I got the t-shirt, I almost went out of business twice until I figured it out, until I figured out that the thing about it is, is that I can sit here and complain, or I can go in here and have the right relationships and change things around. I was in that FMCSA listening session yesterday, and I'm going to get off my high horse. It's a full house. Packed room. Wingfield is referring there to the broker regs-related listening session that took place the day prior, Friday, March the 31st. Catch reporting on it from earlier in the week at overdriveonline.com. Standing room only. I had to stand over in that corner right there. You know why? Because it's easier for us to complain, but it's harder for us to double down within our business and figure out what we need to control and the things that we can do. I'm gonna tell you that if you focus on solidifying relationships, it's gonna help you improve your business. The next step, y'all, I'm gonna tell you I hated this. I was a company driver for Schneider in the very beginning. Yeah, I, I heard that. And we were governed at 63 miles an hour. That right there was the sound of Adam's right foot coming down hard on the stage as he mimicked the driver's pose, arms straight out on the wheel. Foot on the floor, pumpkin truck going down the highway, 63 miles an hour. God forbid that another pumpkin truck pulls up beside me and tries to pass me, and we're both like... <laughs> and we're still like this for about 10 miles down the highway. And it didn't register to me. And I never forget the only reason, and I'm going to tell you one of the main reasons why I wanted to buy a truck so early is because I just wanted to go faster. <laughs> I did. I wanted to go faster. I wanted to get a truck, and hell yeah, I want to put my foot to the floor. So I did just that. I did just that. And boy, when I started swiping that fuel card, I was like, man, something got to give. Something got to give. The crazy thing about that is, is that the average national diesel price changes up and down. It's a variable expense for you. It's one of those costs that the diesel prices you cannot control, okay? I hate to break this to you. No matter what you say, no matter how many Facebook rants that you do, no matter how many people you blame for it, you can't control that 
as a business owner, I am a control freak. Somebody missed that. As a business owner, I am a control freak. I focus on every single thing that I absolutely control. The things I can't control, get the hell out of my face with. I'm not interested in it. Because I know the things that I can control, I'm gonna double down my focus and my efforts on. The national average of diesel fuel about two weeks ago, and this was back two weeks ago, was $4.24 a gallon. If you were paying that during that particular time frame or anything above that, there's two things that I need you to do, and there's one thing that I'm gonna share your example with. When I was driving for Schneider, and this is one of the things I hated too, I had a Qualcomm. If you remember, a Qualcomm reminds you of a beep. Big beep. That's all it was. One screen, had a red light at the top. Sometimes you use that red light to see if you can get a load the next day, whatever, whatever. Anyway, I would get a load. If you've run it for a mega, you know what I'm talking about. I would get a load from Charlotte to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It would give you the load information. It would give you the second thing it would give you. You know what it was? It was the second thing you think came across that screen when that load came across. Say it out loud if you know what I'm talking about. Say it loud. Fuel stops. Fuel stops. Either A, you go to the fuel stops that we tell you to go to, or B, you try to go to another one of those fuel stops and we don't tell you to go to, and I, you put that card in, that's your embarrassment, not mine. They did that because number one, they had volume discounts, right? So they was able to get that fuel cost, and that's the one thing that they were able to control. They couldn't control the pump price, but they can control the pump selection. When you go on a trip, you got a trip plan. And if that means, and I'll, my best friend, we used to team drive. We get from Monroe to, to Tracy in a day and a half. By the time we get up to Tracy, California, I would, I would piss him off. Because he's a convenience person. I'm a control freak. Sometimes convenience and control clash. He was a convenience person. Hey, man. Like, remember, hey, we're going to Disney World. We're going to drive until that thing gets empty. When it gets empty, we're going to stop. Wherever we're going to stop, we're going to fill it on up. It is what it is. But as a control freak, I'm going to look at the very cheapest fuel station that I possibly can find in the highest fuel market, and I'm going to get just enough gallons to get me the hell up out of here. And if that meant that if I'm up in Northern California and I'm only buying 35 gallons of diesel fuel to get me a little bit further out of here, that's what I'm gonna do. Discipline is everything as a business owner. And sometimes you have to extend your discipline in order to get where you need to go. Did you know, let me bring this up too. So it goes back to my point, did you know that if you drive 75 miles an hour, and the truck that you just zoom past in a hurry to get to the next load or in a hurry to get wherever, to the bathroom, whatever, that truck that you just zoom past is saving 27% more diesel fuel than you are. As a fleet owner, as an owner operator, did you know that you're gonna buy about 14 to 15,000 gallons of diesel fuel a year? Your job is to lower the amount of diesel fuel that you're purchasing. So this is a calculator that we use. I'm a calculator guy, I'm an analytics guy because if I can measure it, I can approve it. 
So we use this calculator for when it ever came up to a trip plan because what this calculator will tell us, it'll tell us based on how much we have left in the fuel tank, how far we can get to our first stop, to our first fuel up. So just like in this for example here, I got 340 miles to get my, to my first fill up, right? So if I'm in Miami, Florida, I can almost go clear to Jacksonville before I gotta fill up again. And these are the things that we have to do is we have to double down on the things we control and we gotta take the time and trip plan and we have to be the mindset of a mega. If you want the results, if you want mega results, you gotta think of the mindsets of the mega, the, the, the mega carriers and what they do. Just duplicate it. I'm not asking you to be a fan of them. I don't care if you like them or not. But these are the companies that are bringing success and able to scale your business, you might want to take something and learn from. The next thing is you need to check your attitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. You know, back when I was a, a young buck, trucking was different. If you've been in this industry as long as I have, and I'm looking in this room, I know there's some OGs in this room that's been in longer than I have. It was different. I can go down the highway and the driver blow a tire. I'm taking it over to that left lane to make sure that you got that room. I'm going down and I'm at a shipper or a receiver, and if I see a new driver struggling with backing into a dock, instead of me getting on the CB or getting on Facebook or TikTok and, and, and filming them, hey, look at this dumbass. I'm getting out there to help. We lost that. We lost our way. It's cooler now to make fun of somebody than it is to go and help somebody. But you know what, karma's and you know what? Some of us are struggling because it's karma. Check your attitude and change your attitude because when you change your attitude, you change your altitude. My message back in 2000, when I first started in this industry, I delivered my first load right here in this city. I stepped out and I went into the truck stop and I looked around and I looked at the faces I look at the people, I look at the pain, and I said, you know what? I don't care what I want to do. I wanted to own 100 trucks at one point. That changed quickly because I wanted to impact more people. I wanted you to know that you could be successful in this industry if you, if you double down, if you focus on your education. So what I wanted to do and what I still want to do to this day is I want to leave this industry in a better place than I found it. How many people in this room have heard of me before? Raise your hand high if you've ever heard of me. That will change, I promise you. And you're gonna hear about me for the right reasons because I'm gonna be in your business while you even knowing about it. You're gonna start focusing on your break-even points to ensure that you're running better. You're gonna get on the phone with these brokers and you're gonna have better conversations. You're gonna understand what your operational run rate is and you're gonna be able to manipulate that so that you can help make yourself a profit. Number seven is learn your lanes. If you ever heard the word, the term, yesterday's price is not today's price, it's never more evident than now. The lane that you was running, that you were getting three and four dollars a mile, that lane ain't doing that no more. So now I have to learn a different lane. DAT does a phenomenal podcast every single Tuesday. And one of the, one of the benefits that you have that I didn't have when I was coming up in this industry is you have technology. Podcasts are phenomenal. And it's not just about trucking podcasts that I recommend you listening to. You need to be pulling any business development podcast you possibly can listen to. My favorite business development podcast is Donald Miller Business 
made simple. Not trucking made simple. Not brokering loads made simple. Business made simple. And my last but not least, mind your damn business. And what I mean by mind your damn business, I'm gonna go back to what I saw yesterday. I get it, tensions are high, it's always that way. Rates go down, brokers are screwing us. Rates go up, hell yeah, let's stick it to the brokers. Get it, get all that. I don't wanna talk about that. But you need to mind your damn business because if you're the same person that can sit up here and complain about that, you need to be the same person that understands what your break even point is. You need to have that same energy about sitting down every single week, every week, as a business owner and reevaluating your business. Do you do quarterly forecasting as an owner operator? Do you do quarterly forecasting as a fleet owner? Do you do end of the year planning? You got a website. You got social media. If the answer is no, mind your damn business. We've got to get better at being better business owners. We got to get better at being more prudent. You're the CEO of your company. I don't care if you got one truck or if you're like Night Swift Transportation now has 98,000 trailers. Your CEO hat and the CEO of them is the same size hat. We put our pants on the same way. I'm no different than anybody else in the room. I don't care what your background is. I don't care where you came from. I don't care how much money you got in your pocket. You can sit down there and have a conversation about trucking and I'll run circles around you. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart because I want you to be able to do the same thing. I want you to win. I want you to survive. I want you to weather the storm, but you gotta check your attitude and you have to mind your damn business. And I want you to get better at that. And if you focus on being a better business owner, the results will change. I'm gonna leave you with this quick story, really quick, three minutes. And I don't know if he's in the room, I can't see these like right as hell. But one of my mentees, he asked me, um, he asked me last week on a call. He said, um, he said, coach, I got a question for you. When did you realize that you were successful? Like, hmm, not really sure. The reason why is that it led me to this story. So I'm an athlete. I don't know if you can tell or not, but you know, it is what it is. You get 43, you look like me too. When I was, I was a big track star. It was my thing. I was a track athlete and I was a hooper. I retired from hooping. I also retired from track too. I'll never forget, so quick story. I lost my mother when I was 11 years old, May 17, 1990. I want you to remember that date. The state championship meet in 1997 came very quickly. During my, my state championship game, I had a high ankle sprain. And if you know anything about track, it kind of overlaps with basketball. So I had a high ankle sprain. Those things suck. And all year, I had to run with an ankle brace it on, well not brace it, but an ankle brace that was about that high. And being the jock that I was, I was never used to losing. 
every single meet that I ran in, I got 100% blasted to the point I was embarrassed. I was a 100 meter dash runner. And I get down in the blocks, Everybody's finished and I'm just coming across Holland across the lane. I ran all year like that. I didn't win one race. I don't even think I placed in any race. May 17, 1997, Skiza State Championship. You can Google this and you'll find that too. May 17th, you remember my mother passed away May 17th, 1990. May 17th, 1997, I woke up that morning in Charleston, South Carolina in a state championship meet. Stomach was on fire, because I was nervous as hell. I get into the, into the meet, and my coach said, hey, Wingfield. Yes, coach, you ain't heat one. What? You ain't heat one. Come on, get on it, heat one. Anybody know anything about track? Heat one is where it's at. And I'm getting in there, and I'm getting in the blocks, and my whole attitude sunk. And it sunk because I look to the left and I look to the right and I look in the stands and I see how many people are in there. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm about to get embarrassed in front of everybody. My father was in the stands, who was the, the most important person in my life and still is to this day. He passed away as well, but he's still the most important person in my life. My father was in the stands at that, that race. That was the only race that he was ever able to come to. I'm like, this coach should put me in this thing and I'm about to get embarrassed again. So if you know a thing, if you got any track athletes in there, you get to the line and dudes shaking their legs. I'm sitting there looking, these dudes shaking their legs. And I'm like, shit. So I just took a deep breath. And I want you to take this parallel to weathering the storm. I took a deep breath and I shed a tear. And I said, I'm about to embarrass myself, but I just hope that I can finish. So I get on the line, I gotta wrap it up. <coughs> I got video too, it's VHS, it's kind of grainy though. <coughs> I'm running, and in my mind, you know what I'm thinking about? All right, somebody's getting ready to pass me. 10 yards. Had this big bulky ass brace on too. 10 yards, somebody's about to pass me. 30 yards, somebody's about to pass me. 40 yards, somebody's about to pass me. But you know what I never did? I never did that. He never looked side to side or behind him to see who was coming on. I never did that. So I'm just running, I'm focused. I want you to understand why I'm coming with this story. I'm focused, I'm focused. Still running, 60 yards. All right, Adam, somebody is getting ready to pass you because this is usually the point where things and shit just go sideways. 70 yards, nobody passing me. 80 yards, I can see the finish line from here to projector. I just need to get to the finish line. Hunter, boom, I break the tape. I'm like, oh shit. But you know what? When I broke the tape and I slowed down, I turned around, they were still coming. I dominated the only race that year, which probably was emotionally driven, but the one thing I was focused on so much is I was focused on the finish line, and I was focused on running all the way through. So when it comes to this, 
It's easy to be like broken shipments. Everybody's out to screw me. Everybody wants to be some truckers. Nobody wants to be successful. You got all that stuff that's going left and right of you, but your why should be the finish line. And if your why is big enough, your how will figure it out. My name is Adam Wingfield. I hope you have a great day, and I want you to be successful. I want you to take what I told you and now take it personally. I love every single one of you in this room. And the reason why I love you is because you've been there where I've been, and I just want you to be successful. Have a great Saturday. I do imagine indeed that we'll hear more from Mr. Wingfield and his innovative logistics group in the coming weeks, months, and years. You can find the outfit with a focus on mentoring, audit support, business organization, and more for owner-operators and small fleets via InnovativeLogisticsGroupLLC.com and the business's social profiles. Now, on to that talk with Rob Howes, who we heard briefly from last week about what the company was doing this year at the Mid-American Trucking Show, plans for its next Howes Hall of Fame induction, and more. But more importantly, perhaps, Rob Howes, company President and Chief Testing Officer spoke to results of a recent survey Howes put out to its customer base as well as those among its broader contacts about their fuel treatment patterns, finding that a majority do in fact treat their fuel with something year-round. Here's Rob Howes speaking to those survey results. Well, I mean, the nice thing about having as large of a following as we do is that we can lean on them on a regular basis for um, just insights on the industry, our products, or, or any of the above. And um, currently our, our, our email database consists of around 10,000 uh, truckers. So that, that's what we sent this survey out to. Um, got a, a fair number of responses in it. We, we do things like this every once in a while to kind of get updates and everything. This was a larger survey that we did and had a lot of participation. Um, some of the interesting things that came out of it were uh, some insights on how many are actually dealing with cold weather? Now we expect it to be a little higher because it's our customers, right? Yeah. And, and we're known as one of the, the top anti-gel yeah. diesel anti additives and, and big, diesel additives as a whole. Yeah, so uh, it wasn't surprising to see as many as 80% um, seeing temperatures below freezing. Now I expect that A, because they're you know close customers, B, because the weather patterns lately have been pretty I mean, low in the country, you've seen low temperatures, freezing temperatures, down as, as low as South Carolina. Over. Here in sunny Nashville, Tennessee, sunny today anyway, back in late December too, it's hard to forget a day here with a high of plus two degrees Fahrenheit. No heat, power out too. Anyhow. The uh, other insight that came out of it was we asked a question of how many, how often are you treating? Are you treating year round? Are you treating just in the winter? Because so many people seeing cold temperatures, all right, are you just using an anti-gel or are you handling fuel problems throughout? More than we expected, we're treating year round um, from our respondents, but again, close customers. So it's it's likely that they're following our advice and, and treating throughout the year. 73% is what we had, we're treating year round. What concerns me about that, and I know just from you know shows like Mid-America and uh, and others talking to customers that a lot of people aren't treating year round. And, and if we have, you know, 20, what is that, 7% that aren't treating year round just on our own survey, how many outside of, uh, you know, a close dedicated diesel additive user are, are treating year round? 
And the reason that's concerning is because of the fuel issues that we're having now. A lot of calls that we get, and, and we're very good about picking up the phone. If you give us a call during, during hours, there's always somebody that's going to answer and, and talk to you. Um, we hear a lot of questions about fuel quality and, and problems that have already happened, right? You, you get a call and it's, oh, my filter's black, or um, there's stuttering, and I, I can't figure out what's going on, your products, can you help, uh, so on and so forth. And some of the questions coming in now are, are fuels getting worse <laughs> or right. is it just me? <laughs> no, it just me right? yeah. um, and the answer is no, yes, yes, no. Okay. Um, the, the reason being is fuel, I mean, once we switched to ULSD, obviously you lost a bunch of lubricity, but since then they've been trying to create a lot of alternative fuels. So you end up with fuels like biodiesel and uh, more recently renewable diesel. Biodiesel, it fixes issues, right? You don't have to rely on, on traditional uh, refineries and, and the process behind it. You can, you can grow it. It's you know, a renewable fuel of, of itself. The problem is it has a whole bunch of negatives, right? So the, the first and foremost being cold temperatures. You're gonna gel up at 40 degrees and above if you're using a straight bio. So they started mixing smaller percentages in there, but it also- Like B20 and B20, like 20%, 5% is kind of common, somewhat common? But extremely common. 5% yeah. is, is almost a guarantee at this point. 20% okay. is getting pretty common. Um, they dial it back usually in the winter, but some states don't. And then you see people gelling up more often. Um, the bio side portion of the program is, is really hard to treat. Uh, when you're treating with a, a traditional anti-gel additive, you're treating the, the petro side. Um, the more bio you add in it, the potential for, for more problems in the winter. But that's not, it's not just the cold weather that's a problem. It's, it's also the water that it draws in, which remember that uh, whole, oh, you know, my filter's black. Your filter's black because you have a bacteria problem. And that's because you have a water problem. So water creates a home for the bacteria and the fuel is a food source. So once it gets in there, it causes all kinds of havoc. They multiply, you get black filters, it gums up. You, you might think you gelled up, you didn't. Um, well, or, or you did, but it's a whole different kind of gel. The one good thing about bio is that it added a lot of lubricity. Um, however, because of all the other problems, the industry said, all right, well, what if we hydro treat this fuel? Which means they, the best analogy for that would be distilling water or distilling, yeah. if you if you like it, vodka. Uh, <laughs> what You're taking all the impurities out. Same concept here, um, it's a whole different process, but it's a good analogy at least. So a hydro treated is called renewable diesel and that's a new thing coming. And it acts more like Petro in that better, colder weather handling. You can see, um, you know, down to zero again from, from 40. They can make it better than that using a, a really complicated process that I won't go into, but the cold weather being fixed, it also pulls the water out uh, being super hydro treated. So you end up with less bacteria problems. The bad news about that, you're also pulling out all the things that help like lubricity sides. So now you're back to, it's actually worse lubricity than Petro. So now you need to add all that back in. Um, every, every fuel has its own problem. That's kind of the point. The other thing is you don't know which fuel they're putting in your truck at any time. So they don't have to tell you that they're adding renewable. They don't have to tell you that they're adding bio. A lot of them will, but um, especially if you ask, but uh, 
So it could be different each filling. Yeah. Um, when they get a new delivery, it could come from a different supplier. Uh, even if it's from the same supplier, it could just be a different blend. And you, you really don't know what you're getting at any time. And different refineries do different things too. You see better and worse cuts. Uh, anti-gel for petrodiesel. Uh, there are fuels that are easier to treat and there are fuels that are harder to treat just by the cut of the fuel from the refinery. It's called narrow band and broadband fuels. So you may have an issue and think that it's a product related thing or it's a fuel related thing and you get the same fuel a week later and you don't have that problem. Um, different because <laughs> it's yeah. a different fuel or at least the, yeah, a different cut. So one product that we've been talking about a lot lately is our diesel defender and that's what we consider our summertime additive or just warm weather additive. Heavy duty injector cleaner, lubricity additive. Um, the nice thing about Defender is it fixes a problem regardless of what fuel you're using or blend of fuels. It adds lubricity back in the fuel. If you have a renewable diesel cut in there, you know, you're gonna you're gonna solve that problem. If you have biodiesel, it's gonna help clean out the system. Super dirty fuel, you need extra detergent. Uh, if you have a regular petro diesel, pretty much does all of the above. Petro is is not as bad in any of the bad categories, but it still has all the same problems. ZLSD has been known for lubricity problems. No matter what you do, it does something. Your winter, the diesel treat product, it's my understanding that it does, it has the anti-gel character to it, but it also, to an extent, does the same things that Defender would do for... It, it does, it's what we call the um, maintenance dose, okay. so, or a keep clean. What is in diesel treat is the same IDX4 detergent. We just don't put that on the bottle because it's not the full dosage of it. What it is, is it'll keep you clean throughout the winter. Um, Defender has enough in it to actually clean up existing problems. And that's a key distinction because you, you want to treat with something in the summertime. You want to clean it up. The fuel's a little bit better in the summertime. Um, use that opportunity to, to clean the whole system out, get your fuel mileage back up. Um, it actually brings up an interesting point about cetane. A lot of products out there have cetane and, and people search for that and, and go, they want specifically out of it power. Uh, what are the other things that they say it's gonna do? It's uh, gonna clean up the fuel. You get more mileage, uh, better, stronger, faster, all that stuff. The, the interesting thing about cetane is it, it doesn't do those things. It, it does help with some stuff, specifically cold starts. But all the products that really tout cetane seem to be summertime additives, which is weird to me. Um, your biggest benefit from a cetane boost would be in the winter. Yeah, cold start. Yeah. Um, it also does clean up the burning a little bit, a little bit burner, uh, better burning. Um, so you might feel a little smoother when you're using it. But it's more about the cold starts even than that. The bad news about cetane is it takes a ton of cetane improver to actually improve fuel. So if you want to get the, usually you're looking for about a five point boost. A five point boost in cetane number, that is. To get that, Rob Howes went on. You need about 60 ounces of cetane improver for 320 gallons. That would be the entire bottle of product essentially would have to be cetane. Um, which is a, a specific chemical that people are using. Uh, very bad chemical is the problem. It absorbs into the skin. It can, uh, if you inhale it, it can cause uh, fainting. It can cause... Dangerous to work with. Yeah, yeah. But the other fun thing about that is uh, it 
cetane itself, the uh, the chemical there will will go through what's called a uh, what we like to call a temperature runaway um, or a thermal runaway. What can happen is if it hits certain temperatures and they can be under 100 degrees, it can start increasing rapidly and without control until it eventually catches fire, explodes, etc. So there is a rule out there that you can't have more than 15% in a retail product or you have to treat it as if it's 100% seasoning. So it's almost guaranteed, unless you're buying a bottle of 250 ounce or something, you're not going to see much of a cetane lose because it's less than 15%. Um, in the end, I, the, I don't mean to bash cetane to the, the nth degree. The point that I'm making is that we don't have cetane in our products, but there's a reason for that. It's very caustic, very problematic um, to people, <laughs> and it doesn't do much. What we focus on is our detergent package and our lubricity to give those benefits that you were looking for to begin with. When you're looking for more power, that's what Diesel Defender provides. If you're looking for the lubricity, that's what Diesel provides. Cleaner burning, that's what Diesel Defender provides. Um, we do all that without a harmful chemical. What we hear from customers and what we see in the lab as well is, you know, we, we, we run test vehicles. We, we perform quite a bit of testing on a regular basis. What we're talking about is, is really extending the life of the parts. So when you're looking at lubricity and, and the cleanup side of things, the detergency, what you're trying to do is extend that component, whether it's injectors or fuel lines, fuel pumps, um, they all wear over time. When you have low lubricity fuel, fuel pumps, they're gonna wear quicker. Uh, even the injectors themselves wear quicker because it's more friction on there, more heat. Um, the deposits that are cleaned up by Defender help extend the life there as well. You get better spray patterns, you don't have to replace them as often. And that's also what gives you better fuel mileage because you have the proper spray pattern, you're burning the fuel correctly because it's the right fuel to air mixture in there. If you're cleaning the system out, you're burning fuel cleaner, uh, you're gonna have less soot output, which means you're going to have less regen cycles required. The, they're a monitored system, it's not time driven, it's based on how much air is making it through, how much fuel is making it through. Um, if you don't dirty it as much, you're not going to have to clean it as much. And that's what a regen cycle really is. It's burning off the excess soot. So do you treat your fuel? And if so, only in the winter or year round? In the post that houses this podcast for April 7th, 2023, find a poll question to that effect, replicating Howe's internal surveying toward perhaps figuring out what the broader numbers are among owner operators. Answer those questions for me on our podcast message line at 615-852-8530 and leave your name and mailing address and I'll send you a bottle of Howe's Diesel Defender, among other products from Howe's. That's 615-852-8530. Here's a big thanks to Rob Howe's and Adam Wingfield both for the time and insights here this week. Next week, we'll dive in with our March Truckers of the Month, the team of Tim and Shelly Pulley and their three-truck food-grade sugar-hauling fleet out of the Chicago area. Congrats to them on the nod, putting them in the running for our 2023 Trucker of the Year Award. Find a link to the nomination form in the show notes to enter your own business. Put forward an exceptional owner-operator you know who's, who's well-deserving. And thanks for listening. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the acoustic guitar and other support of trucker songwriter Long Haul Paul Marhofer. The theme is The Legend of the Snake Man by Marhofer, featuring the guitar work of 
Travis the Snake Man himself, Whammock, Terry Two Socks Richardson on bass, keys by Tishomingo Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own news editor, Matt Cole, social media coordinator, Holly Young, executive editor, Alex Lockie, and video editors, Lawson Rudisil and Mr. Andrew Gwynn. We'll see you next time. Truck going down the highway, 63 miles an hour.